Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Prodigal and the Priest and Me, the question edition. Um, yeah, we got some questions people have submitted. Sweet. Ready to go? So, so ready. <laughs> well, first, I just have to say, we just threw shade at Greg, our seminarian. <laughs> and by we, I mean me. But anyway, you were thinking it. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, who did we say? I think I called, what did I call? I called Bills and Bucks. So, and you uh, said Chiefs and somebody, didn't you? I said Dallas. I know that. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> That was like before oh, the year, oh, though. Before, Remember before. like a few weeks ago when the playoffs first started? I think I said Chiefs and Bucks. You didn't say Chiefs. I think I did. We're going to go was, back. We're I was like go Tom back. Brady. That's. <laughs> I don't know if you did that. No, I, I I think I was like, I would like to see that. I don't know if it'll happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Let's jump into some questions. We're still getting that information on the Byzantine. <laughs> Liturgy question oh, that we're will so live sorry. in folklore. I I I put it fully on you. So we're yeah. Okay. Let's start it's, with it's, the fun it's like an email that you don't respond to within like three days, and that puts it into like the six month to a year category. <laughs> we're when so we sorry. do, we're gonna make Patty so happy. So Patty. Mia Sunday. culpa. Mia culpa. Joey's culpa. That's right. Okay. Hey guys. If you could both be instantly knowledgeable and instantly successful at any other career, what would it be? And being an athlete or sports things don't count. Kung Fu master. No, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking the Matrix. I know Kung Fu. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. I yeah, would do video. You go first. I would probably do some type of production, videography, photography, something like that. It just has always interested me. I'm pretty good at it. I have a knack with it. So that's a more practical one. If I was going like just obscure, mm -hmm. I think it would really be cool to just be a light in the darkness of politics. Ooh. Like I, I really some days wish I would have kind of gone down that route yeah so that's my answer what's okay. yours yeah i have never considered that <laughs> and it sounds like the worst thing in the world but i'm glad that there are people out there who consider it and then don't follow that uh <laughs> that become a youth <laughs> minister <laughs> and hide that light under a bushel basket <laughs> hey sorry All um right. i like i mean the the honest answer i guess if i weren't called to be a priest what would i want to do um, would be to be like an Assyriologist or uh, an ancient linguist. I feel like mm. that's kind of cheating because I kind of got the chance to do that stuff for, well, kind of. I did get the chance to do that for like four years and right. um, got to a really high level in it. But there's this like this whole, <laughs> you know, you could devote your life to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it, I think it's important work, but I don't know if it's meaningful work, like mm. for someone whose life should be ordered by the gospel, but just in terms of like where my interests lie in, in like, 
I don't know, something something very esoteric and just out there. I so thought yeah. you were going to say like ancient languages, astronaut or paleontologist or something like that. I don't yeah. know why. I, I just mean, got that vibe. Archaeologist and ancient linguist isn't that far from paleontologist, <laughs> right. right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and you love astronauts. So uh, then the space thing. No, the space thing that, okay. If I'm honest, like NASA flipped past my my mind's eye first before all that other stuff. And then I was Dude, like, you got to go I with your gut, man. Yeah, but I don't know if I walk like, in on the I moon. Like, okay. I didn't think about that part of it. I thought about like the numbers part of it and I like math and I like physics, but I don't know if I really want to, you know, be the expert in all that stuff um, as like my dream job, but to walk on the moon. Yeah. Uh, if, if I could instantly be transformed into someone with a much stronger constitution who's basically, you know, could have qualified for the, the Marines, G forces, all that. Yeah. Um, man, I tell you one movie, I could watch no matter what time it's on. Or two movies. And they're both about space. Armageddon. Apollo 13. <laughs> phenomenal. Tom Hanks in that? Yeah. Great. It's a good movie. The Martian. Matt Damon. I like The Martian. Just amazing. No Interstellar? I've never seen it. Oh, come on, man. I need to see it. No, Interstellar is great. It's got a weird, goofy, like, postmodern ending. But, like, Matthew McConaughey is great in it. That's what um, I hear. What was the one with uh, Bullock? Sandra Bullock? Gravity. I was a big fan. I saw that on... Uh, a plane? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, like, coming back from Rome. I saw that on somebody's TV screen, which was, like, souped up. I think I was wearing 3D glasses oh for it. Oh, my gosh. Um, that must have been trippy. So it was pretty trippy. Another... Okay, this this would this would bring it all together. Just to bring to us home. Answer that. Uh what is the name of that movie? <laughs> I can't remember it. It's about space, but also languages. It's not contact, but it's the one like sort of arrival. Arrival. Arrival was a great movie. and like, I hear it is. I've never seen it. And <laughs> I just, I was watching it with other guys from the Biblicum <laughs> and we were like, language, like <laughs> figuring out languages because they're like, there is an inherent sort of structure to language are uh, you one of those people who wishes you kind of had your own language yeah kind of i don't know i like studying other people's languages i don't know if i want to make one up there quite yet well we'll jump we'll stay we'll stay in kind of the space thing with this next Ooh. question Intrigued. so a person here who i know um give a little shout out to him um, I know he's helped in many ways with music and different things, but Tolbert asks. Oh, I love Tolbert. Tolbert, what's up? So Tolbert does some video editing and things like this, and um, he asked about essentially kind of read some things about how some people were claiming ideas that the Pope and the U.S. government officials know about like extraterrestrials that work for uh -huh. God. And so... I think it brings in a good question and have like we ever aliens. heard of anything like that slash what is the church's belief on extraterrestrial life? Yeah. Have I ever heard of anything like that? So if I knew you honestly think I'd be able to tell you. Oh my gosh. You did not just pull a quote like that. Yeah. Cause you have top level security clearance. Dude, I have a Vatican library card. <laughs> Yeah, they don't give those out to anybody. No, I got to use their manuscript room where That's I read right. about all of her contact with aliens. And with stuff. alien life. 
So it's like it's like the the Area Fifty One or whatever of the Vatican. That's right. So to answer the first part of the question, no, no we've never <laughs> no. heard that. But what do we believe about extraterrestrial life? Yeah, no, is it brings up a lot of immediate questions about faith, um, because like according to all revelation, all public revelation through the scriptures, through the person of Jesus Christ, the tradition he handed down through the apostles, like um, the human race is the pinnacle of God's creation. Um, and so like immediately you're like, okay, but if there's, you know, another one, like it's kind of weird. I don't think it, I don't think that belief and also the fact that Jesus Christ became one of us, mm. right? Took human form. Um, I don't know if that says like, okay, given that point, impossible theologically for aliens to exist or for rational aliens to exist, which would be a different thing, right? Right. Uh, with, with an immortal soul. I don't know. I think that's that you can still hold that. I don't know if I really do. Um, I tend, I don't really think about aliens a whole lot. And I yeah, guess if you, me you know, push me back against a wall and you like say yes or no, I would say no, I don't think they exist. But I don't think theologically we're forbidden from thinking they exist. Right. It's kind of, yeah, um, it's one of those areas. And like, so like, yeah. you know, like what would you do if you found one? Would you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and like say, you know, what's to prevent you from being baptized? Um, maybe. E.T. Uh, so there is a, a reflection on this. I call it a reflection. It's is a book by C.S. Lewis, which is fantastic and doesn't get any cred. Um, yeah, because they're all in the screw tape letters. Screw tape letters. Yeah, the screw tape letters and like the great <laughs> divorce and like, you know, <laughs> Narnia and stuff. Like his space trilogy uh, the first one, um, no, the second one's called Paralandra. What's the first one called? I don't remember the name. Uh, I'll look it up while you're talking. Oh my gosh, terrible with certain things. Um, yeah, so the whole thing's called the Space Trilogy. I like C.S. Lewis, but I didn't read it for a long time because it sounded lame. <laughs> Just straight up. But it's like, it's incredible. And the whole first and second book really the second one that's a meditation on original sin and uh like what it would be like perhaps if there was another race of material beings remember that you know angels are spiritual creation and they're rational right but another race of beings like us that were both material and spiritual that had not fallen, uh, that were created in original justice and in relationship with God, but had not fallen um, out of the silent planet. I thought it was something like that. Yeah. And the last one is, um, the uh, hideous that, strength, that hideous strength. Yeah. That hideous strength. Yeah. Those, those books are fantastic. So the second one is, yeah, if you read them, you should read them in order. But the second one is, is a reflection on this and, it just, I, I don't really want to spoil that for you. Most things I don't care about spoiling, but like. <laughs> You're like, like Titanic this, sunk. But like, this is really up there with the best books I've ever read. Whoa. It's so easy to read. I mean, like, you've read a lot of books. That's saying something. I like to pretend I've read a lot of books. Yeah, but, I know. Um, 
but it's it's so good, especially the second one. You have to read the first one, and the first one's great. The second one is incredible. The third one is a different thing, and it's got its own its own thing going on. Um, but it's really worthwhile as well. But but the second one is is a reflection on this topic. Like, what if there was uh, incarnate life? So material mm-hmm. and spiritual composite life, like us, that was rational, and that it that life was in relationship with God and had not fallen uh, as we did, and so had not needed a redeemer um, as we did. Mind blown. That it's, would be. It is tremendous. I cannot recommend it highly enough, wow. even for like Lenten reading or something. Like it's just so good. The Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis. Um, yeah, I I don't want to say any more on him. I'll there you go. Up. All right, this is, a, this is a little soft one. <laughs> Toss it out. Uh, this is anonymous. <laughs> I think you're going to know why when the question is read. Um, so if all negative or fairly negative things are a result of the fall, is acne a result of the fall? If Adam and Eve never sinned, would we not have acne? It's pretty reasonable, yeah, right? I, think I so. mean, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Mark it down. That was the easiest question we ever answered. There you go. All right. Next, Brian. Um, he says, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That's a la Bill and Ted. Excellent adventure. No? No, I never saw are it. Are you kidding me? I thought Circle K was a gas station. It. it uh, I'm not getting into it. If Joey and Father Paul could travel, t- time travel, or bilocate, Time travel or bilocate. What time and place in church history would y'all choose, and why? Ooh, these are these are all really fun questions. Um, I would choose. Uh, I'll just for me personally, <laughs> Matthew nine nine had a huge impact on my life. The conversion, um, where Jesus says, "You know, come follow me." Matthew gets up from his you know, customs post and follows him. It, mm. it changed my life reading that verse because I felt like Jesus was saying to me, Joey, come and follow me, put away everything you have. And so um, I want to see that moment. I want to be sitting there. Yeah. Just that look, like what did Christ, like we have that Im- image from Caravaggio. Yeah, right? that's great. That I just love. If I could get the biggest image of it put in an office, I would, you know, but I want to see what Christ's eyes were like, you know, like, so, I mean, of course it would be cliche not to say the crucifixion, those things. Easter. Yeah. Like Pentecost. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to exclude so many, but I'm going to exclude anything with the, uh, like the birth. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to go with church history or Jewish history, uh, but exclude the life of Christ just because like, that's a no brainer. Um, but I'm really torn between, so I'm just going to submit to, because I get to make the rules. Um, I kind of really would have liked to, (laughs) (laughs) you don't get to make the rule. Okay. Go ahead. Two. You'd really like to be there when King David dedicated the temple. Mm. That's cool. I think that's pretty cool. And I want to go. So that was, 
what am I talking about? King David, King Solomon dedicated the temple. I wanted to be there for King David and King Solomon. When David brings the ark into Jerusalem and when Solomon dedicates the temple. Um, See, that's the vibe I get from you. That's why I'm saying the paleontologist thing, because I get this vibe of Indiana. Yeah, the Indiana Jones vibe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the ark and you like treasure hunting. Yeah. Or something like that. I think it's really cool. I loved the archaeology I got to do in Jerusalem and stuff. Because of the beard? I don't know. Did you you like Pirates of the Caribbean? Being a pirate with, with this mustache? Yeah, I think, pirate, I think pirates had <laughs> mustaches, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they? yeah, they did. They, yeah, they did the, the curly little, ones. Like, yeah. I thought pirates of the... Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? I always say Caribbean, but I don't know. I think the movie title is Caribbean. I figured you would know because you're from an island or yeah, something. Yeah, but we're not in the Caribbean. We're outside. Any, it, anyway. Hard um, feelings. <laughs> yeah, so the other period, so say that's like 1000 BC-ish. I yeah. would also kind of want to go to 1000 AD. And be there in the time of some of the great monasteries and Bernard of Clairvaux mm. with the Cistercians and St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Anselm and like all these, uh, St. Bonaventure, like they were all kind of <laughs> within, you know, a couple hundred years of each other. So yeah, uh, I'd have to pick there too, but like that age sounds just fascinating. I'd really like to see that, but I'd also really like to see kind of you know, some significant age in uh, pre-Christian Judaism. Yeah. Like you talked about one just shortly ago, the martyrdom of St. Stephen. Oh, yeah, and of St. Stephen. I, I mean, kind of there during the early Christian period where I'm sure there was also... It would probably make me feel better being like they didn't have everything together and they were a little bit like... Uh. Jesus just left, you know, but we have hope in him and we're going out and doing all those things. So those are cool. Yeah. Great question. Thank you, yeah. Brian. Really good. Um, let's see. Okay. Deborah says, what do you both think of renewal of marriage vows? Dan, her husband and her have been married for 26 plus years, but have never done a renewal. Is this like the memorials we have, kind of like Easter, Christmas, or Holy Days type thing like that? Um, I think she meant that together, but um, yeah, I think renew your marriage vows. That That's awesome. I mean, is there any liturgical history you want to shout out about that? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's rites that you can get a priest to do. Uh, you can make, like I've done renewal of marriage vows immediately after a daily mass as like a pretty quick thing. And I think you can also do it as a much bigger thing. So uh, they could just contact a parish, contact. Yeah. And like, I actually don't know what our sort of standard uh, <laughs> answer would be to something like that, but I bet we have a standard answer. Right. <laughs> Shows how plugged in I am here. Um, and yeah, there's definitely, there are significant kind of dates uh, or uh, significant year markers. Um, to do that at normally like like five ten yeah 20, five ten twenty five twenty five fifty like those kind of things but I, I think you can do it any time and there are certainly like you can you can renew them in the presence of a priest and have that be a thing you can get a blessing on your wedding anniversary just after mass mm. um, 
that can be a thing. Um, and you can also like renew them in some sort of private prayerful way. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd be better able to speak to stuff like yeah, that. Nikki like, and I have I don't not, know how married people see their, yeah, you know, I think it's a beautiful remembrance. Things. So I don't know how many people know this, but I've only seen my wife one year out of the nine of our wedding anniversaries because I go on a mission trip to Laredo, Texas. So I took this took job. A pandemic. It took, oh, okay. Sorry. Two this past <laughs> year too. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I took this job and found out, oh, we go to Laredo every year. What time? Oh, our wedding anniversary. So I, I missed our first wedding anniversary, like some significant ones. Ooh, so okay. um, that's why she's amazing. Cause she believes in the ministry that we're doing and, um, shout out Nikki Scansella. But I think it's beautiful to remember that moment because it it is so true. They tell you, you know, on the day of your wedding, your head over heels, your this, your that. Like, love takes an effort. Love takes a choice. Why not celebrate that choice you've made over these years and renew those vows, you know? And like, and like you said, the church has rights for it. So why not utilize them? So please, yeah, definitely reach out to the parish. I'm sure they have a statement. And if not, they're about to have a statement of how to do yeah, it. So because <laughs> and they'll be like, why would you suggest that? You just create a lot of work for us. Um, yeah. But yeah. And, and also, Hey, she said 20, yeah. 26 years. Congratulations. That's awesome. Like I, I wish we could ce- celebrate things like that, but I caught the applause again. Celebrate things like that, uh, you know, more often. So Deborah, congratulations. 26 yeah. years. That's amazing. All right. We got time for one more. Um, nice. <laughs> you know, Tolbert had like a two part. So I want to go back to his other part because I just, I think you would like it. Um, so question. What is up with the age of these folks in the Old Testament? <laughs> Please explain the two <laughs> to 900 years of life. Um, sorry if it's already been covered. Also, dot, dot, dot. What's up with giants? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Early Genesis has some weird <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> so, I, And I think it's relevant because a lot of people, I mean, we just had Word of God Sunday. Yeah. And a lot of people are doing the Father Mike Schmitz, Bible, Bible in a year. In year, amazing things. So, but questions, I'm sure... It's not the first time you've heard that. No. What's up with, uh, you know, so two things, the years, giants, thoughts. Yeah. Um, okay. So to get into it quickly, we, we know, right, that the Bible is a library of books and that books are all written in different genres. We know that thing, right? If I go to my bookshelf and I'm like, Cool, book of poetry, okay, archaeological textbook, okay, uh, linguistic answer key. Like, those are all very different things, um, and so you have to read them differently. And the Bible is like that, the different books of the Bible, and often sections within each book um, are written in different genres. The very early chapters of Genesis are written in a, I, I, I think it's fair to say, highly symbolic way. That doesn't mean that there's no historical truth there, um, but it does mean that like you get some fantastical seeming things. Um, that is the first part of the answer. The second is when you get to uh, ages and numbers often in the Bible, if they seem impossible, it's normally because they are symbolic in some way. Um, uh, 
the ancients paid much more attention to numbers like that than we do. And they also had the whole thing where like letters correspond to numbers and you could do all this sort of math stuff uh, with the symbolism of different words. Um, so, so when it's like Abraham died at 175. I don't think we have good evidence for people say, you know, whenever exactly you put Abraham, but say something like 3,000, sorry, 4,000 years ago, something like that. Um, I don't think we have evidence archaeologically that people lived any longer significantly back then right. than they do now. And so this is a basic thing in interpreting the Bible that uh, Leo the Thirteenth in Providentissimus Deus uh, said, this document on interpretation of scripture and Bible studies and stuff. He said uh, that we ought not to depart from the literal and obvious sense of the text except when it contradicts reason or something else, but basically the same, the same idea. Um, so like when you read the scriptures, read it according to the literal not obvious sense. Don't be like automatically this has to be symbolic and it's not true or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also uh, recognize that like truth cannot contradict truth. Um, and that the Bible is not written as a history book primarily. It's written to tell us how God works and what his relationship is with us. So it's a book of theology that incorporates a lot of history because God works in history. But it's history told from a theological perspective. And when you get into sort of like the primeval history, that's what those early chapters of Genesis are often called, uh, things can get more fantastical without all of a sudden meaning that the Bible is just not true. It's trying to tell us something different. Right. Sometimes it's incorporating other stuff that culturally we just don't have a lot of access to. Like there are a bunch of questions that the Bible raises a bunch, like practically infinite questions that the Bible raises that we don't have great answers to. I don't have a great answer to why giants, except that other ancient literature we'll talk about giants in sort of this primeval history sort of way. Yeah. And that maybe that kind of perspective is being taken up here. Um, I've never prayed in a significant and meaningful way with like the passage about the, the, the sons of men and the giants and stuff like that yeah. in, in Genesis, but it is part of God's word. So like it has something to tell us. Yeah. Um, but like why that is there? I don't know exactly. It's one of the, one of the mysteries of it, but there's a lot of stuff like that. So to sum yeah. up layperson wise, what oh. I just heard <laughs> okay. is really don't, don't like focus in on those, all, all those details. Don't get stuck on those details of yeah. being like trying to figure out, well, why, how does this work? 500 years minus the, like, yeah. and the church has, what all, are they counting sorry, five for every? Yeah. So yeah. no, that's it. The church, what the church has, a you know, <laughs> 2000 years of reflection. And then if you take Judeo Christianity, it goes well before that. Um, we have millennia of reflection on these texts, but that doesn't mean that we have an answer key. Um, right. Or like the, the approved and definitive reading of every passage. Sometimes when people read a passage in a way that's contradictory to the faith, the church will step in and say, you can't read it like that. 
Sometimes the church will say, you should read it like this instead. <laughs> right. um, but often the church will just say, not like that, try again. Um, because the scriptures have a lot to say to every person. And yeah. Um, yeah, there is one other point, if we have time for it, that I want to make on that. Um, and I am uh, sort of paraphrasing something from an introduction to the Old Testament that I just loved. It's by a guy named, who teaches at Notre Dame by the name of a Zvi Novik. <laughs> His first name is T-Z-V-I. Nice. And then Novik, I think, just has a C, not a K on the end. I might be wrong. It's like introduction to the Hebrew Bible, I think is what it's called. But in the introduction, he sort of raises this quidest veritas. What is truth question when it comes to the Bible being this true inspired word of God that is inerrant. It does not err. Um, and he has a really cool reflection on uh, there's a poem. I think it's by Shelley and it's a Oh, shoot, I'm gonna. I can't remember the details well enough. I know that people out there like know what I'm talking about. At Azimandus, Azimandus, I think is the poem. And so it's he, he reflects on this poem, which the poem is describing this statue of a great king, and uh, it's buried in the sand. And I think I think the inscription says something like I am Azimandus look upon me and and tremble or something. Um and he in the poem gosh I'm doing such a terrible job of this. I'll just go reread it and then tell retell it sometime. But um in the poem he has like the original meaning of that statue was meant to inspire terror, right? Mm. And awe at the presence of this great king. Um, by the statue of the king and the inscription. After the thousands of years, um, another truth to that statue is revealed by the erosion of the sands and stuff where the statue is basically worn down to nothing and the kingdom is in shambles because thousands of years later yeah. it's buried under the sand. And so you look upon him and tremble, but for a much different reason now that you're mm -hmm. not afraid, but you see like the ravages of time and stuff like that. And his his point with that, and he had another one which I can't go into right now because I'll mess it up just as bad. And but it was it was saying sometimes poetic truths convey something deeper, um, yeah. and more true than the like the literal truth, if that makes sense. It just m maybe better than even going into that. Uh, that poem that I don't know well enough to <laughs> recite um, is just to say in general, poetry is trying to do that, yeah. right? It incorporates elements from uh, real life. It's based on real, I mean, Robert Frost, right? The two paths to virgin of wood. Yeah. I, I took the path less travel by and that's made all the difference. Like he lived in Vermont. Um, we know this. He went to, he was right next to Middlebury College near Burlington, and there's lots of woods there and paths, but he's not talking about a path he took. It's a metaphor. Yeah. And that metaphor conveys something deeper than him saying, one day I turned right instead of left on yeah. this path. Mm -hmm. And so there is lots of real history in the Old Testament. Um, but some passages are very poetic as yeah. well. 
And when they are, it's to convey some deeper theological truth. Yep. Normally. So it'd be like today writing about dog years where people don't understand that from the past. You know, like, like an, that like idea in of books? You know what I mean? Yeah, to dog ear a book? No, no, dog years. Like, you know how we have dog years? Like, people are like, oh, that dog's 150 in dog years. Yeah. Imagine we were writing a poetic thing and having dog years, and people didn't know about that, that we're reading it back. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I get to massacre my example, but then just give Joey the cold shoulder with this. <laughs> I listened to that whole thing of you not knowing Rambling. what the poem was. Anyway, Don't know any details about Pro- it. <laughs> Prodigal and the priest and me at gmail.com. Uh, org slash PTP. Submit us your questions. Love to hear from you. Take care. God bless. <laughs>